Hey, my name is Zev Bannett. You're listening to the Yisod Blocks podcast channel. And this is where we are doing foundational transformational Torah and trying to share things and teach things that really don't just convey sort of like a fragmented perspective of Torah, but are actually fundamental principles that are really profoundly transform- transformational, transformative in your mind and the way that you actually see things and experience your own life, your own reality. And so this particular uh, section, segment that we're working on here is the Nefesh series, and we are in the middle of Perak Vav in the first Sha'ar, the first gateway of the book Nefesh and this is, I think, the fourth installment of, the, of Perak Vav, the sixth chapter here. And so we're in the middle of discussing this framework of something called the Shi'ur Koma, and the analogy we've been working with the entire time is pretty much focused on uh, sort of like this network of hubs of consciousness, where you could imagine a giant network, and there's just a massive source of consciousness that's sort of like the main hub, and then there's all these satellite hubs that are sort of um, sort of just positioned throughout this network, and there are all these wires that are linking all the mini hubs, satellite hubs, with the main hub, and so that's kind of been a, a, a central analogy, and it's a little bit vague in a certain sense, in that it just sort of talks about consciousness in this general way, and we have the the parent hub, the master hub, that is what we call the endless one, the Ein Sof Hashem, and so each of us is sort of like one of these uh, satellite hubs. But then the question is, um, as we're starting to develop this point in, in Parak Vav, the point that we're up to, so there is actually nuance to the connections between these hubs. So if you are a consciousness fragment and you are linked to all other consciousness fragments in existence, what we call human beings or people, and there is a central master consciousness that is behind all being that you are also linked to, so the wires that link you to each other and to the master consciousness, so there's actually a structure to those wires, and according to how you use those, those connections between you and everybody else and you and the source of all being, so that will actually determine what kind of experience you have of yourself and of reality, and we're going to sort of show exactly in what sense that's true with this next piece that we're going to focus on. So in the original edition, we're on page 20, uh, the classic edition that is, um, and that is at the very bottom of the page, it says, So we're talking here about the concept of mitzvot, and mitzvot usually are poorly translated as commandments. Mitzvot actually means connectors. In other words, things that through your involvement in them, you actually bring yourself into connection and bonding with the source of the mitzvot. So as an analogy for that, if you are a soldier and you are being told what to do, so often we tend to think of soldiers as almost like they're just, you know, it's, it's they're being abused because they're being forced to do certain things. But if you think about that a little carefully, the truth is that um, we are simply we are predisposed to thinking in that way because we live in a culture in the Western world where we, generally speaking, have the freedom to wake up whenever we want, to do what we want. We have jobs that we want. We, you know, to a larger, to a lesser or greater degree, we have a lot of freedom in that sense. And so we think of any kind of restriction of our time, like what a soldier would have to undergo, as something which is negative. But actually what a soldier is is someone who's part of a group that has a vision and the leader of that group has a plan of where things are supposed to go. And the soldier, if he wants to participate in the vision of that group, then he has to live in harmony with the group. And so that's also true if you work at a company. It's also true in a family. We all have uh, responsibilities within different contexts where if we want to be a part of a particular vision, then we have to play a certain role. And you can't uh, partake of the result if you're not playing the role 
that is outlined for you. And if you don't like that role, so then you could try to exercise your free will to engage in a different role. But if there is no other role, so then you have to accept your situation. And that's generally true about all of our lives. We don't always have the freedom to just do whatever it is that we want. And often if we want some kind of larger accomplishment, we have to be a part of something else and we have to contribute something within that framework. And if you don't contribute and you don't operate within the framework, then you cannot benefit from the results of the framework. And that's what mitzvot really are. It's not that you're being told you have to do this. It's kind of part of a much larger framework of participation in something which is going on between each other and between us and the master self. And so um, master here doesn't mean like master, like controlling you. Master means the, the, the source, the source self, the, the central hub of all being that is behind the entire network. So let's just learn a little bit about what that is. And let's just, as we read this part. So the Nefshchaim writes, When a person actually uh, fulfills or expresses the will of his, uh, the source, of it, which we call here, Kono means, it refers here to Hashem. Uh, and he's able to fulfill with some body part of his, some kind of power that he has. In other words, you're using some part of your body and you're using your ability in some way to fulfill Hashem's will. One of the mitzvot, the closifiers, the uh, the bondings, the 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 team creating dynamics that's what the word mitzvot means so when you do that it creates this connection uh, which is like a repairing that then connects you to some kind of layer of reality in this network of wires that corresponds to that particular body part and ability and expression that you just engaged in so when you use some aspect of the tools that you have some part of your body and you actually express Hashem's will through that. So what he's writing here is that that actually creates this connection between that specific part of your body and the larger network of existence. And now you can think of it as almost like if Hashem's consciousness is this pool, this, this gigantic source pool of consciousness, and then you are this fragment of consciousness, so you can open up channels between yourself and the larger self by using these tools, these mitzvot. And so every time that you effectively uh, engage in a mitzvah in some way, that's a connector tool. So then what that does is it actually leads to sort of like an opening of a channel between that part of you and Hashem's self. And then there's a flow of consciousness and of higher awareness and of greater growth and greater, greater aliveness, we'll really say, uh, that is now going to sort of be flowing into you through that new channel. So, and it says, litakno, olahaloso, which will then kind of make you more in harmony and will also lift you up or lift that part of you up. Olo sif oro kedusha, and it will, and it will, or it'll, it'll add more light and kedusha. Or here means, again, or is always an analogy for consciousness in these writings um, and deeper connection and, and awareness. Ukedusha, which means dedication, atushaso, and on top of the already existing dedication. So, if you were already operating as a hub that was dedicated to the source hub, and then you uh, engage in further activities that continue to um, augment and expand the network of connections, connections between you and Hashem. So that will, that will add more dedication towards that life, towards that lifestyle on top of the layers that you've already achieved. Um, that will then, you know, that you'll be able to get an increase in dedication that will sort of flow down from that source. According to how you actually perpetrated the action, the mitzvah that you did. And, it's gonna, and that depends on, on how clear and how deep and how um, undistorted 
your thought was and the, and the general intent behind the action of the mitzvah itself. And then that, that all becomes part of the sort of like the raising up and the creation of the wires of the connections that you're essentially affecting through what you're doing. According to the particular centrality of the thing that it is that you're that you're sort of relating to. So let's just pick an example for a second. So let's say you, um, you part of your body is your is your hand, and you use your hand to affect an action that is a mitzvah. So let's say you use your hand to uh, essentially to let's say to give money to somebody who is lacking and doesn't have the ability to take care of themselves right now. Uh, that could be your child, it could be a, a neighbor, a friend, a relative. And so you're sharing using your hand to give. Now, again, we're, we're gonna, there's a lot of different parts to that. But let's say the actual action you're doing is you're handing some money in your hand to another person. So now the hand itself it represents a certain aspect of the structure of all being. In other words, if you think of it as your hand is a, rep, is a, is a representation of, um, of your power to make change happen in the world. And so just like that's what your hand is, so it's parallel to an underlying theme in existence, which is that power can make change, and that Hashem, who is the source of all power, so he himself also uh, essentially makes change happen in existence all the time. So when you use your hand in that way, you're sort of aligning the power of your hand into harmony with the larger power of, the, of Hashem's ability to affect change in existence. And then when you add in your thoughts, let's say your thoughts were... To they came, let's say your thoughts were thoughts of love, how you wanted to help this person from a very genuine, deep place. So then those thoughts would also correspond to underlying thoughts that Hashem would have when he's actually expressing himself in ways that are changing the world from a place of love. So you're now bringing your thoughts also into greater alignment with Hashem's thoughts. And that is part of the, it sort of like brings you more and more and more into harmony with Hashem's being. And so that's how you experience it on the inside. What you're really doing is you're sort of making yourself a conduit for Hashem's consciousness and Hashem's thought and Hashem's actions into the world through you. So we think of mitzvot as sort of like this, um, just like we're doing commandments to, to sort of like fulfill the will of our creator. What you're really doing is you're actually acting in a way that is essentially representing how Hashem acts in existence. You are choosing to align your will and your thoughts and your actions to express the things that Hashem would actually do if he was here. And that makes you an extension of Hashem's self into the world. And the more you do that, the more you'll start to experience yourself as being sort of like beyond and being attached to that, which is somehow intangible and existentially above the finite physical world that you live in. Now, that obviously these are actions, like he said at the very end of this part, when he said, it depends on the particulars of what it is that you're doing. So... Certain mitzvot are more intense and are more central than others. So like I just mentioned, there's the action of giving money, but there's also the thoughts underlying the action. So uh, if you, your action itself, you can, give, you can give somebody money from a place of, uh, of just sort of like trying to do what you're supposed to do or trying to make it look in, in, in a way that's sort of like socially acceptable, or you can actually give, it from, give money from a very deep place. But the action of giving money remains the same. The question is, what's going on on the inside? What kinds of thoughts are you having? And that's not to say the action doesn't matter, but the, but when we talk about the, the qualitative difference between different kinds of mitzvot, so that's what we're saying here. We're saying that you could have a very internally uh, deep expression of a mitzvah. That's, and that's also like learning Torah, for example, is also a thought-based mitzvah. So thought-based mitzvot are usually much more intensely connected between you and Hashem than just action-based mitzvot are. 
So that's what he's talking about here with these qualitative differences between different kinds of mitzvot because some are more internal, some are more external. And learning Torah is probably the most internal mitzvah that you can affect. And then there's tefillah. And then we can go and we're going to talk more about that in, in Shar Bays in this book. Um, so Shar Bays is all about tefillah and Shar Dalit is all about Torah. But for now, the point is that's what mitzvot are. Mitzvot are essentially channels that allow the self to sort of link up with Hashem and then manifest Hashem as being into the world. Let's go on and see how he explains this a little further. This is why the language of, well, when we, we have these things called brachos that we say, uh, again, one of these very well-known things that is not uh, too often thought about carefully, but when you say, that, essentially, at the, the sages of the Gemara, when we used to um, try to do a mitzvah, so they essentially added this tool called a bracha, where you say this phrase before you do the mitzvah, and it's designed to properly orient yourself before you do the mitzvah so you understand what the mitzvah is about, what it's for, and how it's going to achieve its purpose. So today, unfortunately, especially in the English-speaking world, since people don't really understand the Hebrew words they're saying, so these are the phrase in, in, a, in, a, in a bracha is usually translated as, we are blessing Hashem before we do a mitzvah, and the word blessing has no real meaning. Uh, it's something which we have to really carefully understand what exactly is a bracha, but that's also going to come up in Shar Beis. The point here is, though, that we say these phrases before we do a mitzvah in order to help uh, orient ourselves properly, and in the phrase is this phrase, Asher Kedushan which means that you have dedicated us uh, through these actions, through your mitzvos, uh, and you have made us dedicated through the mitzvos. And why is that? Because when you have this thought, the beginnings of your idea, you know, the first glimmer of an idea to actually do a mitzvah, that immediately triggers a parallel awakening in the layerings that are sort of above you. And if you think again, using the network example, so you are the miniature hub, and then we have the master hub, and there's this whole series of network cables that connect the two of you. So then whenever you have some kind of awakening of consciousness from within, that leads to a parallel triggering throughout the entire system also, uh, and awakens a parallel consciousness awakening from the other end on where Hashem is. So you can think of it on the other end of the network. So, and when you do that, or makif, and then what that does is, it's sort of, as you are sort of moving towards this idea and developing the idea of, oh, I'm going to do a mitzvah now, so there's a parallel awakening of this, this thing called or makif, which you could think of literally means a light that surrounds you, and it's an analogy for sort of like the, the consciousness potential, how you, you now have, you're waking up this potential for greater connection to Hashem as you're moving towards doing the mitzvah. And then there's like this higher state of connection and dedication towards Hashem that begins to sort of flow around you and surround you. So that's what happens when you begin the process towards actually effecting a mitzvah. So, and he's going to go on to explain, it's actually a pasuk in the Torah, if you make yourselves kadosh, dedicated to Hashem, then you will be kadosh. Uh, as essentially is saying, like you, if you actually make, if you go through the process of dedicating yourself to Hashem, you will become kadosh by doing that. So, in other words, bring yourself towards it, and then it will also come towards you. Like they say, like our sages say in Maseches Yuma. Um, so what they say is, anyone who dedicates himself uh, from below, so then they are also going to help him dedicate himself from above. In other words, he'll get this help from above. What does that mean? Rotzelomar, Shalamala Nimshach Alav. 
hakedusha misharsha elyon shel mitzvah. Well, that that means that from above there will be this there will be this flow of dedicated perspective from the ultimate root, from the highest root of the mitzvah. In other words, what we're saying is almost like you're, when you start thinking Hashem-style thoughts, Hashem-style thoughts start thinking about you, and there's this bridge between you and them, where now the thoughts that you're thinking are not exactly just your own thoughts, they're also Hashem's thoughts. And so you're beginning this process where there's going to be a, 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 a fusion of your thoughts and Hashem's thoughts. And the more times you do that, the more it brings you more and more and more in sync and in harmony with Hashem's being, so you get to a very, very high states of consciousness, which is, of course, what this is all about. In other words, we're not here just to learn about this theoretical uh, experience of Hashem, but we're actually trying to experience Hashem in a real, genuine way. And so this is sort of giving you the framework of how to think about that. And then the more you understand it, and then the more you also do it, the more it really comes to life, which is an incredible experience. Okay, so he's going to quote some sources now. Like it says in the Zohar, Parshat Tzav, V'yizkadi Shem V'yisem Kedoshim, the same Pasuk. And then he's going to skip to the Hebrew. Anybody who dedicates himself to Hashem from below, a.k.a. means from the miniature hub, the fragment that you are, you dedicate yourself. That's what the analogy of below always means. So then, so then Hashem also parallel, uh, in parallel does the same thing from above. Okay, Hashem, and then Hashem's, Hashem's presence and Hashem, the, the dedication towards Hashem sort of will... will sort of flow down towards you also and you'll and you'll have your own sense of I'm trying to give myself to this mitzvah and then there'll be this parallel flow that sort of like augments that and mirrors it as Hashem sort of does this does this helping process towards you. If your actions from below, again an analogy, are Bekadusha, they're dedicated towards Hashem, and that will wake up this same parallel dedication towards Hashem from above, and that will cause you to become even more uh, Pulled towards Hashem in that way, so and Parshas Kedoshim also another another place, and this is uh, uh, another Zohar here, and we'll skip to the Hebrew again. Mishash Adam Ose Maisav Lemata Beorach Mishor, the time when a person does his actions below in a straight way. Nimshach Viyotze Veshora Lav Ruach Kedusha Elyon Avachule. Then there will be this there will be this parallel uh, light, this this Ruach Kedusha, this spirit of dedication towards Hashem that will sort of flow out to him and pull him also. Veosam Masim Shora Lav Ruach Kedusha. And through those actions, that will that will cause it to flow to sort of surround him and fill him. Ruach kedusha, ruach elyona, liskadesh ba, bali is kadesh. Someone who comes to dedicate themselves, mikachim also then then they they which he refers to Hashem, they will also pull him and dedicate him as well. In other words, you're not just doing this on your own. The whole system will start to sort of vibrate and pull in the same direction. So when you move yourself towards Hashem and through these mitzvot, then the system itself starts to sort of radiate and wake up uh, and pulls in that same direction. And then sort of you get this this accumulated, almost like an avalanche that pulls all in the same direction. Um, okay, so he quotes the same source. Another place, and skipping again to the Hebrew, and he's pulling upon himself this this um, ruach kedusha, which again means like sort of like a spirit or force of dedication from above. Until there is going to be this this spirit from above that will pour onto us. And through this this kedusha, this this surrounding consciousness that is sort of being pulled down towards you and then pulling you, you can actually attach yourself to Hashem through that. That's what, we, that's what we're saying. As you reach out towards Hashem, when you when you express a mitzvah, so then it leads to this awakening from above. And so what's happening is you are actually 
causing this, this bridge where now Hashem's self is sort of reaching out to you and you're reaching out towards Hashem and these two things sort of meet in the middle. And that's what he, and he says here, you are now attached to Hashem even while you are alive. In other words, alive here means you're in, you're in a physical body. The physical body conv conveys this sense of distance, like, well, I'm just this body. I'm isolated. This is just what I am. And, and then we have a sudden experience of connection, even within a physical body. This is what the Torah says, that you are attached to Hashem, your Elohim. Even while you are still alive physically, there is still going to be this bridge that you can create between you and Hashem as you essentially uh, use your body to act as a vehicle or as an expression of Hashem's will and being into the world. Okay, so a little more. And this surrounding um, flow, this surrounding consciousness, the or makif that we've been, been describing this whole time, so that helps you to finish the mitzvah. In other words, you start the action, and your your willpower towards expressing this action so actually creates this awakening. And like I said, that's kind of like a snowballing accumulation, an avalanching process where as you initiate it, it causes it to accumulate. And then when you finish the mitzvah, then, the, then that, that or, that consciousness, even becomes stronger and is sort of like, almost like embedded within you now and causes like this very, this almost like a permanent change in the system. Valzam, Ruzal, that's what they said in the, in the, the sages in the, in the Talmud, someone who comes to actually become Tahor will receive assistance. To become Tahor, it means to sort of like remove distortions from yourself. So the propensity and the tendency to see ourselves as if we are our bodies and that this is just what we are and that we are isolated individuals that have, that have you know, sort of these very clearly delineated boundaries where this is me and that's you and we are separate. So someone who comes sort of cleanse himself from distorted perspectives like that and to see things more truthfully the way they really are, which is that you are an intangible, endless self that is linked to a body. So then they receive this kind of assistance. That's what I mean, assistance. It means that the system is predisposed towards following your will. If you initiate a certain will and you say, I want to now become more clear, more kadosh, the system will actually resonate with you and, and will, will sort of accumulate in that direction. And then he's going to go on to explain, And this will also pull you and sort of create this drive to commit yourself to even more mitzvot because now you are on sort of like you're you're experiencing this this trend and this accumulation. Because now you're in this state that he calls Gan Eden. And Gan Eden is basically a state of clarity where you're able to see very clearly the reality, the truth of your existence and its connection to Hashem. So we tend to often be uh, unaware of the Gan Eden perspective because the experience of the physical world, the body, and, and all of its sensations are very, very strong, and they convey to us constantly that that's just who we are. Even though every human being knows and, and senses that we are not just our bodies, we are about connection, we are about intangible, we are, we are like when you are committed to a person, you fall in love with someone, you're not just interested in his or her body, you are looking for the self that is behind that, and you, and you yearn to connect to that self through the body. And so what we're saying here is that Ganeden is the clarity and perspective where you can actually see that truth. Even as you are living in the body, you can actually see through all the physical things and see them as extensions and expressions of the underlying intangible self that is behind. That's a state of Ganeden. It's a state of very profound, clear, deep perspective and peace. So there's a lot to talk about with that also, but we're just going to follow his uh, guide. And when we get back to Ganeden later on, we'll see more about that. So he says, Then you're kind of like covered and shielded your 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 when you're in that state, so you're kind of like protected from the, well, from what I was just describing, from the very 
the very uh, transient and finite physical world underneath the wings of Kedusha, of dedication to that which is hidden behind everything. There's no way for you to get, for your creative energies to now get distorted away from that truth. And to pull you away from your involvement in these kinds of activities of mitzvot, because now you're kind of building this process, this accumulation. That's what it says in the writings of Chazal, of the, our sages in Maseches Avos, that a mitzvah kind of rolls to another mitzvah or causes another mitzvah to happen. Okay, so, and now he's going to show us the flip side of that, because it's not, even though it's just like we said, you can accumulate, your willpower can push towards an accumulation towards mitzvot, there's also an accumulation that can be created that is towards violations of truth, that you can get on a trend in that way. Sorry, actually, that's the next paragraph. So before, so continuing with the mitzvah concept first, um, when you when you first, when you place in your heart that you're going to do a mitzvah, so, you'll sense and you'll understand that you are now surrounding yourself with this dedication to Hashem. And then you'll have like a clearer inner self, a cleaner spirit. The word ruach means kind of like this, this dynamic sense of self that you have, which constantly changes. So when you have that, so when you engage in a mitzvah and you attach yourself to that which is kadosh, so then you'll have this ruach nachon, which means like, a, a, a properly situated or like accurately uh, placed way of being. Uh, these are the mitzvahs that if a person does them, you will live through them. You'll live within them. Bahem means in them. Because when you are living a, in, in a mitzvah, in a life of mitzvahs, so, or, or, or just in a specific mitzvah, you are now kind of like embedded. It's embedded in you. You're embedded in it. Now you're kind of living inside of that kedusha, that, that, that cloud of conscious connection between you and Hashem. And then it continues to expand. So that's all essentially the mitzvah structure. And then he says, also now here's the opposite example where you do with something which is a violation of truth. Um, when you kind of, when you violate one of the mitzvahs, you do something which undermines the connections between you and Hashem, and using our framework of the network connections between consciousness fragments and the larger consciousness, you're basically now vibrating in a, in a way that is kind of undercutting and damaging the system and, and, and both breaking the connections and distancing yourself from the other consciousness fragments and from Hashem. Amru Gamkein B'maramzal, they said similarly, the sages said the same thing. Anyone who tries to be matame himself from below, they, then he will also receive tumah from above. The word tumah means where you become embedded and sort of like um, um, consumed almost or submerged in your finiteness, in the sense you have that you are finite. So that, that can happen very, very easily. Your exposure to death and to other finite types of experiences can lead to the sense, almost like a submerged sense that you are just um, a physical being that is very, very finite and temporary. And so that's what we're saying here, is that a person who um, acts in a way that undercuts the truth of what he is, which is that you are an endless self that is linked to a finite body, so then kolomatame, that's someone who, who distorts and who pulls himself into that kind of perspective of their finiteness, they will have a resonating finite perspective that will also well up from within the system. Perush gamkein kenis karlel, just like what we said before, then from the root of that perspective of, of finiteness, there will be this, there's a, there's a, there's a flow or almost like a, a vibration from the system. And you're pulling that onto yourself. 
and it will surround you. And that's sort of like you actually, the more finite you experience yourself as, the more fi- and the more, you, the more you live as if you are finite, the more finite perspective you bring, the more you experience yourself as mortal, as fragile, as, as, as essentially uh, replaceable and expendable. And then it creates a tremendous existential angst because you start to feel like, well, maybe I don't really matter. I don't know why I even need to be here. And it's, you know, we experience that kind of thing all the time. It's the darkness of depression and the sense that we are potentially nobody in our lives mean nothing. Well, that's because if you are, if you, if you act in ways that are fundamentally violating of the truth of who you are, then you will slowly begin to experience yourself as that lie. In other words, there's two parts. There's, you can act as if the, your, your truth is actually a lie. And then you can also, as you do that more and more, you actually begin to experience that as if that's really the way that things are. And so the tricky part with this, of course, is that there's many different examples. And there's so many ways to accidentally or on purpose distort yourself away from truth and experience yourself as if you are simply a finite being. So let's just read a little more here in terms of the, he quotes a Zohar now. So we're going to skip to the Hebrew again. If you are matame, if you create this tumah, uh, down below, Miss Oreris Ruach Tumalamala. So that's going to wake up this spirit of Tuma also from above, above, Ashora, Allah, Venitma, Ba. And it's going to come and it's going to flow onto you. And then you become more embedded. And the reason why it's like that, why the system works this way, because there's no, there's no such thing as Tov or Ra and Kedusha and Tuma. All these things flow through the system. In other words, it's not just like, we tend to think of it as like, well, there's just us here and Hashem is over there and, you know, God is a guy in the sky. And so when we do things that are the right things, we get mitzvah points and we do things that are the wrong things, then we get in trouble in some way that we don't really understand. So it's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is there's actually an interdependent system of connections between you and Hashem. And it's because you are actually an aspect of Hashem. And we're going to see that a, a little bit further on here. And so when you um, operate in a way that distorts and violates who you are, so that actually radiates through the entire system. And then you there's a there's a natural result, which is that now you are causing the system to vibrate towards you in a way that is further going to distort your consciousness of yourself. So if you think of the system as like the main currency of the system is self-awareness, the sense you have of who you are and your connection to yourself. And when you live in a way that actually violates that, so then it's going to cause there to be a decline in the system around you, both your own personal decline as you lose sense of your, your as your self-awareness to, essentially distorts and declines, and that will also radiate out into the into the rest of the system, and the system itself will respond by pushing more distorted things towards you, and you'll actually have more opportunities to distort your own sense of self. And similarly, if you operate in a way that is that is very um, raising of your awareness and you're constantly trying to connect yourself to Hashem more and more deeply, that will cause your, you will become more aware, you'll become more connected to Hashem, and the whole system around you also will vibrate with that same frequency and will cause there to be a, a parallel uh, flow of greater consciousness from the entire system back up from Hashem uh, all the way down to you as you become more and more and more conscious. And so this is like a, it's a, there's a, there's a system to these things. And the more you learn about each individual mitzvah, the more you start to see how each one actually plays out in this system you can start to actually use the mitzvot in a much more conscious way instead of them just sort of being these imaginary tools that we have to just do them, otherwise we get in trouble or something like that. So that's just some things to think about. We'll pick up with that part next time in the next episode, and that's really going to be um, the next word says, so that's the next part. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that, and feel free to reach out with questions or comments, and looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.